Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the 63.3 podcast. I'm your host today, Aliza Shah, and I am not here alone. I am here with the wonderful Hassan Adnan. Hi, guys. Ishida Sahuja. Hi. And Palumi Ogunsaya. Hello. So, today we're going to be discussing Indigenous storytelling. Indigenous storytelling is very important and it gives Indigenous writers and authors representation and allows readers to understand Indigenous people and their struggles better. So in class, we all read in different Indigenous stories. Mine was Seven Fallen Feathers by Tanya Talaga. What was yours? Uh, mine was From the Ashes by Jesse Thistle. Uh, the book I chose was Son of a Trickster by Eden Robinson. The, start, the short story I chose is Undercover by Wa Bryce. Uh, I had a question just before we start because like, <clears throat> I feel like some people have this, but not everybody. Do you guys have like a specific like method or like reading habit when you sit down to read. So like, for example, when I sit down, I usually have like something to eat and like I sit down in a quiet room. Uh, yeah, I like to get myself comfortable. So do you guys have something like that? Yeah, I like, um, I like to get myself comfortable whenever I read. So basically when I get myself comfortable, like, like um, I basically won't be able to get out of that comfort and make me read more. Mm-hmm. For me, I always have like a difficult time trying to get myself to sit down and read. I used to be really into it when I was younger, but uh, during the pandemic, I just kind of lost all my motivation to read. And I've been trying to get back into it. And so usually when it's like related to school, I usually like annotate it by putting like sticky notes and my thoughts throughout the book. Mm-hmm. And that just ke- helps me be more engaged with it. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, 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 can relate to the fact that you can't sit down to read i've been started reading like consistently like very recently i got a few books and like not really forcing myself but like it's a good like way to pass my time instead of just like scrolling through instagram um usually what i do is like like i said i'll have something to eat sit in a quiet room but i also like set certain goals for myself so when i was reading this book for example i, I set um a little sticky note on page 50 which is where i've read up to so far Mm. just stuff like that i think it really helps yeah for me um usually i like to find a quiet environment as it like helps me focus and personally i also like to use noise canceling headphones sometimes mm-hmm. with soft instrumental instrumental music and i don't like playing any music with words as it can be distracting and yeah that's true i yeah. used i used to like be able to read to like like music with words and lyrics but like mm-hmm. now it's very very hard to like concentrate i'll find yeah. myself like rereading every single page because i can't focus so yeah yes definitely yeah. for me it's like i sorry Ishida, but like for me i'm I end up focusing more on like the song than like what i'm doing and it's like a, this happens like when i'm trying to like work too like mm-hmm. one time um Mr. Babcock, this happened like last year before the pandemic, he played music in the background of class and I was just distracted by that the entire period. And then he started playing, do you guys know what Hamilton the musical is? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, so we started playing that in class, and I just couldn't. And that's like really high intensity rap music. And mm. so, how was I supposed to focus in class? Yeah, yeah. I live in a really loud house, so I tend to just use headphones to block out all the noise. Yeah, yeah so I was going to ask also, like, did, did your reading habits in any way like affect how, like, the story that you chose? Or was mm, it like, I don't not think really related? No, it didn't. Yeah, no, no. It for me, kind of did because, like, again, like I kind of lost motivation. I haven't like read like a book book in a really long while, longer for me at least. So I chose like Seven Fallen Feathers because one, it interested me, and like two, it gave me an excuse to like try and get back into reading again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, um, the top on the topic of get of reading we all read our books and each of them were written by a different indigenous author and i thought instead of instead of sorry my brother's no problem all right well while she's um dealing with her brother i want to let's like guess i have another question for everybody have you guys ever thought about like being a writer because like I know that when I was in middle school, and still sometimes, you know, I feel like uh, I'd be a good writer. Sometimes like I sit down, and I'm like, I try to write. So did you have you guys ever wanted to pursue writing as a career? Possibly? No, I, I don't see myself writing, to be honest. Like for me, I feel like it's going to be so mentally exhausting. But maybe mm-hmm. I guess I'm my, maybe like a memoir, like a picture book. But other yeah. than that, I don't see myself writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me, but um, in middle school as well, I've thought about it, and I'm sure we have all like dreamt of writing a book at least some point. And mm-hmm. I think it helps us like, like be creative and um, do something new. Yeah. No, I think it definitely helps to be creative, especially in times like these, because there's like I find myself mm-hmm. like sitting in front of the computer or the TV all day and it's good to like just sit down and actually do something productive even if it's not related to school yeah definitely um oh, I remember when I was like in middle school um I wanted to be a writer too um mostly because like I was always told that I was a good writer so I thought like oh I should pursue this when I get older hmm. but as I grew older I still like to write sometimes but I feel as though like it would take a lot more like it would take me like many, many years to like get down all of my ideas into like writing than it would just me like explaining it through words because I find writing down my ideas takes a lot more effort than me just explaining it with words. Yeah, no, definitely. Yes. Um, I feel like whenever I've written, I'm very spontaneous. I haven't really sit down and like plan everything out. I just sit down, open up a Google Doc or open up like a page in my textbook and just like start writing. It's not really like I plan the story or anything. I just right you know but anyways uh you were gonna ask something before you left right so what i was going to like uh say or like talk about was since we all read a different story and like the main point of this podcast was talking about our different stories and how they affected us our thoughts on them how great they were but i thought we'd do something a bit more um interesting than that. I thought instead we would have a little bit of a debate 
So mm -hmm. each of us will be representing our own stories, obviously. And then we'll um, kind of debate over whose story is the best. Because I feel like when you're debating, you get more passionate about it. And so we'll be able to better represent our stories. Cool. So yeah. first, first things first, um, what like basic plot summary of your books? Um, Hassan, you can go first. Okay, so my book is like, it's basically about this um, guy, Jared. He smokes and drinks a lot, and he's basically like a high school burnout. But like the cool thing about it, like the entire story, without giving too much away, is that like he can talk to birds, which is kind of weird, but also kind of cool. So it's like a paranormal, absurd story. It's pretty cool, though. Uh, my book is about, it's a memoir, and it's about a midi screen man who just doesn't want to abandon hope. Like, he has a really bad childhood, and, like, the traumas he's faced, and he just doesn't give up. So my short story is about an Anishinaabe teenager who moves from the res to the city and basically has difficulties adapting to his new high school, where he struggles with identity issues and also bullying as a new kid. Yeah. So my book, Seven Fallen Feathers, it's a literary nonfiction, meaning that like every the stories in this book are real. And it's basically goes into the murder of seven children. Um, They're all high school age, our age, basically, and how they died in the town in the city of Thunder Bay and how um, different uh, the different causes and how it's all rooted in racism. And something that drew me most to this book is like, I've never read literary nonfiction before. So I was interested in seeing like how um, I would respond to it. And so far I'm really liking it. And yeah, no, I was gonna ask too, like, do you guys have something specific that drew you to your books? Anybody could answer this. Wait, could you repeat the question? Was there something specific about your book that like drew you to it? Kind of like what Elisa just said. Well, for me, I guess I I don't know. I just read reviews on it, and it they seemed like, it seemed like a really good book, so I just decided to check it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same for me. But when I was analyzing the book, um, I liked how like it portrayed like current issues in high schools, which made me want to choose a certain story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it was probably because Miss Feather um read out a couple pages in the in that one class a couple like a week ago and she read from the start and i remember she ended on like a specific like one of the pages where um jared's grandmother anita she's basically like she like hates jared basically because she thinks he's like a trickster um and like it, it, and she stopped reading on that page and i just wanted to like know what happens next which is why i chose my book i have a quick question though so like in your story i know like tricksters are like an actual part like belief system mm. not belief system but like an it's actual cultural. thing so yeah. like what uh what are tricksters exactly like how are they represented in your book like how is it explained in your book well right now it isn't really explained that heavily so basically mm -hmm. um how should i explain this without like giving too much away because i still want you guys to read this book um so I'll just give you like a quick summary of what's going on right now in my book. It's the first chapter, so it's not really giving away that much. 
Um, this is only one part of it, but like basically Jared um, has like two grandmothers, one from his uh, father's side, one from his mother's side. And uh, Jared tells um, Nana Sophia, who is his father's mother, that his mother's uh, mother thinks that he is a Weegit. I think that's how you pronounce it or a trickster. Um, but Nana Sophia basically assures him that she had like a DNA DNA test done and stuff when he was born, and he's uh, like part uh, Namgis and part like I forgot how to pronounce it or I forgot what it was. But that she assures him that he's not a trickster. So what I'm assuming um, his other grandmother means by trickster is like I don't know exactly like culturally speaking what it represents, but like what I was thinking was like kind of like in Norse mythology, if you guys know like Loki. He's like, um, he's I like, know him. <laughs> basically. So that's what I was thinking. It's like, I'm sure it's like much different or because of the different cultures, but like reading so far, that's what I've been thinking because it's not been like explicitly stated what a trickster is. And I want to, I don't want to like research beforehand because like I want to learn like naturally as the character does. Yeah. Like but, yeah. Loki and like the original like Norse myths is literally called like the trickster god. Yeah, exactly. So like that definitely like that that connection makes sense. Yeah, um, like, reading so far that's like what I've been thinking. I don't know if that's right, but I don't know. It's it's good enough, I guess. You know something that's very interesting about Seven Fallen Feathers is like how I didn't know this before, but like seven is like a very big number in mm. the for the Anishinaabe. Mm. And that's why um, in fact, like the author, Tanya Talaga, she didn't start writing about it until like the seventh child went missing. And because like seven is such like a big number because like there are like seven prophecies and each of them like relating to like indigenous history. And you can definitely see like what each represents and mm -hmm. like, and it's very interesting and it's very ominous too, because mm -hmm. they're like, because these prophecies are like really old, but like they were referencing like pollution, the Indian Act, uh, white people coming in and how yeah. they were gonna like go behind the indigenous people's backs. Like it's very eerie how how accurate they were. Yeah, I find it interesting how certain um, like certain uh, people and civilizations, not not even just indigenous peoples in Canada, like all around the world, kind of prophesize like their own fate to an extent like i used to in like i think elementary school i had this textbook for ancient civilizations that i was learning from my social studies class and like in hindsight when i looking back it's like every single one of them had like certain art pieces that represent what would happen to them so like all of like the defunct or like destroyed civilizations um in asia all of them had like certain art artworks and art pieces or like mm. myths that like connected to their own eventual downfall which i thought was very interesting yeah but um yeah okay so back to the stories and on to like debating about it i think one way that like my story is the best is superior is because like it represents like actual real life people and events and it, like brings light to these things mm. because when you, when you hear about like and like, there's no like real characters in the book because like they're all real life people. I can't really call them characters and talk about like, oh, how interesting they are, unlike you guys. Mm -hmm. But like, 
they're all like real life people and I'm and it's like very interesting to like learn about them because oftentimes when you hear about like murder victims, you only think see like the numbers like, oh, that's not that big of a number. And you don't really like look into like how um, the who they were and how much of a life they had outside of like being murdered. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. I'm not that far in the book, but one of um, the first kids, one of like the first kids who were like talked about was his name was sorry. While she's looking for that, I just wanted to like ask the rest of you: Do you guys have like a favorite character or plot point so far in the story? Because like for me, uh, I think I talked about her, but the Jared's grandmother, uh, his paternal grandmother, Nana Sophia, I think she's pretty sick because like she kind of reminds me of my own grandmother. She's like super badass and loving, but like mm-hmm. near the end of the first chapter, it's like kind of dark and weird because like she, I, I I forgot the quote. Um, what was it yeah she said um she like it's like nana sophia kissed him and and i love you and i will never hurt you but if you weren't phillips and your mama tried to pass you off as his i'd have slit her throat and left her in a ditch to die like a dog i thought that was like so like sudden and random because like before this she was like she was so like nurturing and like just like a regular grandmother and like out of nowhere she just like threatens violence against uh jared's like mother and like i just i feel like that's one of like i don't know if you guys like noticed this too in your stories but like it's just quirks that like like the writers the authors quirks like how they write so like my like eden robinson the author of my book she's like her dialogue is like very like humorous and like very sharp but like also like super dark like the best way i can describe it without like you guys actually reading it if you have ever seen like a Quentin Tarantino movie like Pulp Fiction or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's kind of like that, but like less stylized and more realistic. Mm-hmm. It has like a darker tone. So like a lot of swearing, quick, witty responses and like stuff like that. So do you guys also have like, so my two questions would be, do you have a favorite character? Um, and what are your writer, your author's quirks, if they have any? Um, right now, my favorite character is the main character because the story is mostly revolved around him. And the fact that he's able to, like, I don't like analyze situations and get out of situations that are like really tough, like, that's what I like about him a lot. And about the works, I'm not really sure. Cool. So, in my short story, my favorite character is probably so. Um, there was this elder that visited this school and basically created like a circle so everyone could introduce themselves. And she's probably my favorite because she said a lot of inspirational words that like I believe impacted the story in several ways. And one of the things she said was um, a lot of times we get caught up in how we're supposed to look or how we're supposed to talk. Because of that, we make judgments about others without ever knowing about them. And it stood out to me because we tend to make assumptions about people we don't know and that mm-hmm. has issues. And so, yeah, I think she is my favorite character. That's cool. And Eliza? Um, so yeah, what I was saying about my book, um, yeah, I like how the story kind of goes in depth about like what um, each of the victims um had their lives and what they were going through and since none of them are like really characters and this is like based 
off of real life. I find it kind of like insulting, almost insulting to say like it's an interesting read, but it's definitely like a good read Mm -hmm. because I think it's like very important that we humanize uh, the victims because oftentimes when we see like, oh, seven people died, you only look at the number seven and you don't think of them as like individuals who had their own lives, their own passion. For example, like Jordan Wabas was so far, that's the only one I've like finished reading about. So like he was, he had so many, you learn about like his life on the reservation. You learn about like his passions and his dreams uh, for his future. And you learn about his girlfriend. You learn about like all these things about him and he mm-hmm. makes him a real person. So it's that much more saddening when you realize that like he lost his life for no good reason. None of these children really lost their lives for good reasons. Mm-hmm. They're all based off of like racism and violence. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about this the other day. Um, especially like when you when I heard of, when you hear about like police brutality and like a police like police officers like shooting and killing somebody, it's so like so weird. Like when you like look at the news, it's like a black man was shot by police officers and this this that. But it's never like they never say their name. So like when I first um. When I first heard about George Floyd, uh, I read an article. It w- and the article's like title, it wasn't George Floyd. It was a black man killed by like officers or something. And like it wasn't until like a week later that I re- that I found out that his name was George Floyd. And like like to kind of connect to the media, it's like the media always it's like I use Yeah, they use like sensational words a lot. They yeah. want to like make it like a not saying that it isn't a racial thing, but they oftentimes want to grab attention that oftentimes dehumanizes like the victims. Exactly. I found this, like they kind of want to demonize like minorities. So like I use, I use this analogy like a lot. Um, It's like when you, whenever you see a dog on the news, it's like, it's always like a dog bit a baby or like a dog bit a 95 year old and killed them. You know, it's like the same thing with like black people. It's like black people shot and killed uh, each other and like this, this and that, or black people killed by this, this, this and that. It's like, if you, if like the people who see only that on the news, that is their only perspective on certain people. So if you're like, yeah, definitely five year old white guy from Kentucky and you only see mm-hmm. that on the news, like black people killing each other and black people being killed by other people, that's all you're going to know about this group of people. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why, like, it's important to have diversity in storytelling, not in only just, like, the characters, but also in, like, authors, which is why I think it's very important that, like, all of us have read stories by Indigenous authors, and by having that representation, you're able to, like, see them and understand their culture at a better level than just whatever the media tells you about them. What do you think, Ajita? Yeah, so... Um, connecting to my story, as we were talking about um, black people, um, is that usually, like, in my story, as I mentioned before, um, we tend to, like, um, how do I say this? So we tend to, like, judge people um, without actually knowing them. So um, as, for example, like, black people usually get judged and, yeah, they usually they're often seen as like violent, like yeah. that's the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, and I feel like it's not just like it's not just um, it's not just like white people. It's I feel like it's like most other 
um, my, like even minorities, because I can safely say there's, there's a lot of um, people from my community, the South Asian community, that probably feel the same way about black people as certain white people do. They're, oh, yeah, definitely. For some reason, they're my like, family, like sure. yeah, definitely. Especially my I grandmother. Like, they're super like, racist, but like, they're, yeah. it's like low key there. Yeah, it's like low key, like. Mm-hmm low-key like closeted racism it's like whenever i tell my grandmother like hey this is my black friend it's like oh you better be careful around those kind of people i'm like what are you talking about there's also a lot of colorism in the south mm-hmm. Asian community oh yeah definitely and that definitely plays into that i feel lot. like that obviously it's there i feel like it more so applies to girls and guys because yeah. uh, i feel like girls need to like be more like fair and skin tone and like stuff like that with with guys it's like yeah, it's there, but it's more so like maybe yeah, you should do this. Not like you should do this. With girls, it's like you need to do this in order to feel and look beautiful. You know? Yeah, my family's never like pushed that onto me that much. But like mm-hmm. then again, I'm pretty fair when it comes to like South Asian women. So mm-hmm. my family and my mother's never really pushed that onto me or my siblings. But I definitely know that my cousin, who is like slightly darker than me, has to like suffer through that. Yeah, I don't know how it is in India or other parts of South Asia. Like, really, it's only Pakistan, Indian, Bangladesh, I think. But yeah. in Pakistan, it's kind of like if you're uh, if you're wider than other people, it's kind of e- life is kind of easier for you to an yeah, extent. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like that kind of applies everywhere because um, you know certain minorities can pass off as like because I had a conversation with an Asian friend of mine, and he says that like. He thinks that life would be easy. His life is maybe easier than mine because he can easily pass off as white. That's how he feels about it. And like, I think there's other minorities who probably think the same thing or like feel yeah. the same way. Like they're white. My powerful. author, for example, she's like mixed race. She's indigenous mm-hmm. and she also has like, and her father's like Polish. So yeah. she has like both sides. And so mm-hmm. she experienced, she has both sides of the. Qu- of the coin and she experiences like both sides and Mm -hmm. she kind of like brings that into the story of how um kind of brings that into the story a bit and yeah yeah. i feel like we've been talking too much uh she to her like balloon do you guys have anything to add um well actually yeah throughout my time in middle school and since i was like african american like Mm -hmm. Example, when I would say I'm from like Nigeria or something like that, like everyone would like, I don't know, they'll start making weird and really immature jokes and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, that's um, my friends used to do that, not now, but in middle school. Like, the, I don't know if you guys know about it, but like, you know, that video of that, um, the African guy, I think he's U- Ugandan, they'd always do like a Ugandan accent and like make fun of like all the black people in our class. Yeah. Which at the time I thought was funny, but in hindsight, it's like super insensitive because obviously not everybody's going to take offense to it, but it's still deeply racist and problematic. So, yeah, I get where you're coming from. But anyways, Aliza, do you want to like talk about something else? I feel like we've been um, talking about this for too long. Yeah. So since we all discussed like favorite character, favorite plot point and how like that related to our own experiences, something else that I wanted to just kind of relate is like strong emotions. What did the story like make you like feel like strong? What part of the story like made you feel like most strongly? And I feel like that can definitely like um, draw in like an audience. So Ishida, do you want to go first? Yeah. So a part of my story that made me feel strong emotion was probably when in my story, the teenager was disappointed in himself, like in the beginning for not acknowledging and expressing himself in the way he wanted to. 
And uh, so he felt like he disrespected his grandparents and everyone else where he was from back home. And so that was probably one of the parts. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, um, it's not really related to this. Well, one of them is not related to the story, but the the relationship between um, Jared and his paternal grandmother, like I said before, reminds me a lot of my own grandmother. And I haven't been back home for a while now. Um, so like just reading about it, it's like made me like, nostalgic to an extent and kind of reminisce about you know all the times that i was with her but also um while reading there's like a lot of it's like um certain like ideas or like topics related to like you know injustice discrimination and stuff like that and like i feel like substance abuse um is like a big part of my story and i've researched a lot about um substance abuse and so like see this writer um write about the topic in such like a realistic but also kind of humorous way was kind of like uh emotionally impactful because like i found myself laughing at stuff that i you wouldn't laugh at if, yeah. if like in, reg in like if you were like just walking around and like thinking about it you know it's like they're serious topics but the way she writes about it is like super funny and kind of like it's like dark comedy basically yeah what about you palumi um, well, the part that really annoyed me was is uh, family issues. Like, I don't know, like a, ch a child shouldn't be treated like bad. And throughout the story, as a child, he was treated pretty badly. Mm. Mm. So um, the part that like really got me upset, um, and granted, I've only like, I haven't like finished the book, like I'm only like, up to like this, I only like finished like the second chapter. But like the part where they were going into like um, how they investigated um, the, the disappearance of Jordan when it first happened, it really frustrated me because like you can, she didn't like the author, she doesn't like repeatedly say the word racist, racist, racist. Cause I feel like sometimes in discussions when you say that word too much, it almost kind of loses its meaning. But mm. you can definitely see the underlying racism of it all, like how they waited so long to actually start the search, how they didn't call an Amber Alert, despite that being standard practice, and how they went a month without finding anything. But once more like indigenous people, like from his own community started looking, they found something in within a day. So all of this kind of is under the surface and you see, and she writes in beautifully how without like making it feel super forced, how the racism is definitely there and you can see it clearly. But, and I think she did it really well. And something mm -hmm. good about her writing style isn't too formal because that was something I was kind of afraid about, but it seemed, but it almost feels like someone's just telling you a story, like like a friend's talking to you because she's very, um, I wouldn't say she's casual about it, but she doesn't use super formal language that would yeah, like no, someone else. Yeah. I feel like that's was like kind of drew me to my story too is my the writer my author eden robinson she portrays all of this in like a super realistic way and has like a lot of empathy for the characters because like when you hear about like substance abuse um issues in like indigenous communities it's kind of like a very surface level like assessment like whenever you read about them um so like to see like her write about these topics with such empathy was like a, like a major drawing point as well yeah um so 
next, so quick before we go into the conclusion, including section, um, how about each of us takes like each um, a minute to try and really like advocate for why our book is the best. Since we all like described our books for a bit, um, and we all have a basic understanding of like each other's like stories. Uh, how about we all try and advertise it and show how ours is the best? So well, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay, well, believe me. My book is really good because it shows like a sign of hope. Like he's been through a really tough time and then him trying to figure out his way out of it is what really is like the star point of the book. Like the issues he has been through and everything. And throughout the book, I think, cause like I got the the ebook version of it. So basically like an online version of it. Like since it's a memoir, like he sometimes would show pictures of him and his childhood inside the book. And like, yeah, it's really good. Okay, uh, who wants to go next? Ishida? Yeah, I'll go. So I think my book is the best because um, basically the author told the story in a way which can relate to many young people today and could have related to him in also certain ways. As several people today are struggling with identity issues, whether it's being judged by people, religion, gender, ethnicity, or etc. And so society is one of the many factors that shape who we are and who turn like turn us into the people that we are today. And basically I can relate to this story in some way by um, encountering challenges, which like a couple years ago, I moved from one school to another. So um, I had to leave all my childhood friends behind and like basically transition into like a, like a new environment which I believe is challenging at first, but it just takes time. And yeah, I definitely had like similar experiences to that when I was uh, growing up, especially when I moved here. That was kind of scary. That was like, I changed countries. So that was like a big change for me as well. Yeah, it's hard adapting to a new environment. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you're, you guys had like amazing books, but I do think mine is kind of better. Um, because, um, it, like I said, it handles like certain topics, like certain, like super serious topics, like stuff just abuse, for example, in like a super realistic and empathetic way. Um, it like doesn't, it doesn't try to like exaggerate or dramatize any of it. It does and it doesn't try to sugarcoat it either. Um, and I do think like the, it's, the book is so engaging because of like, like largely due to like the writing style. And like, I've mentioned this before, but like, the quirks in her like her writing style it's like super humorous super sharp but also like really dark like there's a lot of dark humor which i i really love and i think like you guys would too because it's like it's not like super like shock value dark it's very mm -hmm. it's just like light dark humor it's just like mm -hmm. right under like humor. it gets under your skin sometimes but it's not something where it's gonna make you like shut the book and like not read it again and like it's like if you like super quirky, stylized, and like witty dialogue that's like in consistently engaging, then I would definitely recommend my book because it's not like super hard to get into. I feel like that's the problem with like a lot of people and like why they can't read. It's like books aren't accessible. Like the language is very like advanced and it's like it's just boring. Like that's just like to put it bluntly, like it's super boring to read books sometimes. 
but when you find a book like son of a trickster it's consistently engaging and it's kind of like cinematic i guess you because there's very few books where i sit down and it's almost like a movie is playing in my head while i'm reading so yeah that's why i think my book is the best oh yeah definitely i get like the movie thing a lot that's how that's basically how i read i visualize it as if like oh i'm directing a movie because that's just more fun for me yeah definitely um uh this for my book seven fallen feathers i think it's the superior book uh no offense you all have i bet they're all amazing stories but i feel like mine's superior in the sense that it talks about real life stories and it gives justice to these seven children who lost their lives and the thing about it is that i think it did a really good job of showing how deeply rooted the racism is because something important something dangerous about racism is how insidious and how subtle it can be so you don't really realize how deeply rooted it is and how much it's affecting you until someone loses their life for example mm -hmm. and i think the story did a really good job of illustrating that and it makes you see where it's coming from and it makes you actually feel something like you feel frustrated for the characters and you understand why why the communities feel frustrated and why they feel the injustices because they are suffer they've been suffering them for so long so that's why i think my book's the best yeah definitely yeah your books seem interesting so do you, you know think you would recommend your book to other people as well yeah i definitely recommend my book especially because there's the because like i'm aware i'm like knowledgeable about a bunch of these issues because like we've been learning a lot of this in class but i think especially for people who are very ignorant to indigenous stuff issues this book touches on so much of it uh the poverty mental illness substance abuse um lack of education it touches on so many different topics that i think like you can really get a scope of indigenous issues and start understanding their struggles especially if you've been living your life completely ignorant of them mm. i think a lot of canadians have been yeah yeah i was gonna say the same thing like my book deals with certain issues but in like a super accessible way like i said it's very easy to get into so i would definitely recommend my book to everybody and like even though like i do think my book's better i will definitely check out all of your books especially um Aliza, your book sounds like really interesting. And Nasheed, I'll probably read your short story since it's like not that long, a couple pages yeah. long. And it sounds interesting. And Palumi, you too. I uh, thought your book was very interesting. And I will definitely read a couple of reviews about it. And if I think I have the time to read it, I will try to get to all of your stories. So final thoughts, hasn't already decided who he thinks the who he thinks has the best stories. Um, Ishida Palumi, who do you think um, has the best stories? So well, frankly, I think my book is still the best because I do <laughs> think like no matter, granted your books, are, you. <laughs> your books are fantastic, they sound amazing. I just think that my book is better solely um, because of its like style, I guess. It's like the substance is there, obviously, you know, a lot of people say style over substance or substance over style. It's like mm -hmm. my book kind of combines both of them. It's, and like I keep saying this, it's, it's very, very accessible. And it's very entertaining. It's, it's like literally like you're 
it's like reading a script for a film. I keep bringing this up. It's very, very cinematic. And like, it's just so like consistently engaging uh, in a way where like most other books aren't. It's yeah. like, I read the first chapter, like I've gotten to, I think around like page 70, 80. And mm -hmm. I read pretty much all of it in one day, which is something I don't usually do. I read like 20, 30 pages per day. Yeah, but, I think yeah. really long chapters. It has like mm -hmm. 40 yeah. pages per chapter, which is why I haven't gotten like through a lot of yeah, so, yeah my my book is like like one chapter is like 40 50 pages long yeah what about you Pulumi? who do you think uh has the best book well i still think mine is the best book but a book i really want to check out is hassan's just because of the dark comedy yeah yeah you definitely should dude um for me i definitely think mine is I personally would pick mine because it's talking about like real life issues, but I definitely think that like it might not interest someone else. So I would think like Ishida's was talking about like how it discusses like struggles that are like more relatable to like a high school experience and how like struggles with identity, which I think everyone struggles with to a certain extent. So I definitely think Ishida's is um best um hassan i i read uh like a little bit of your book too personally i'm not big on dark humor i know you said it's like dark humor but yeah. personally that doesn't appeal to me so no, it's totally understandable. I it's a great book, but it just doesn't appeal to like my taste so mm -hmm. great stories all of you i think yeah, mine's definitely. the best but i think Ishida's would appeal to a wider audience yeah, so as you said, I feel like we all have great stories and um, they um, like different people could relate to like different theme. And so I think my book is the best because like I said, it could connect to more um, like high school students and society. And yeah, I believe that. Okay, so since we had our debates, our discussion, some closing thoughts to go over. Um, theoretically, if you were in your main character's shoes, how would you respond to the situation? Like, if your grandmother hated you because they thought you were a trickster, how would you react to that? Man, frankly, that's... If I'm being honest, I'd probably react in kind of the same way because it's like... It's such like a weird, it's like obviously like a cultural thing, but it's like as a child or like if you're being accused of being a trickster, it's like, it's so absurd. So I think the way the main character, Jared, handled it, it's like he questions it, but he's not like getting too deep into it. You know, he, he mentions it to his mother and stuff and like they reassure him. And then he talks to his grandmother about it and she's like, oh, I did a DNA test on you. You're, like, you're not a trickster. And he's just like, it's like there's obviously like some sort of paranormal. What would a DNA test even look like if he well, was? What would that look yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I feel like they, from what I understand, she lists off two um, like bloods, like like his heritage basically. That that's what mm -hmm. she lists off. So I'm assuming that if he was a trickster, he'd have a particular heritage. Like his mother would be something, right? Mm -hmm. Or his father would have probably his mother because like. It's her paternal, her, her his paternal grandmother's talking to him. I, I doubt she would accuse her own son of being a trickster or having like that kind of blood in him. 
Can you imagine if the doctor is running that test and like if he was a doctor, if like it passed, like they would be so confused. That'd be so weird, yeah. But I do think that it's like the way my author Eden Robinson like handles the situation is like very realistic, and I feel like most people can like, if you read the book, you can probably agree with the way Jared handles everything. It's Mm -hmm. like he's kind of questioning it, but at the same time, he's like, "Dude, like this can't be real," you know. (laughs) It's just yeah. like kind of like that. What about you guys, Ishida? Um, so in my story, the teenager, um, so he handled the situation in a way, whereas he was in a room like full of strangers and he already stood out from others, which is why he didn't acknowledge where he was from when um, the teacher basically asked him. And as for me, I feel like, it is hard at first to open up to new people, so I would have handled the situation in a similar way. Well, well, the situation my the main character goes through are usually like quick situations. Like yeah. he usually handles them fast, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'll probably try and handle it the same way as him. Cool. Mm. Um, one final question. Uh, one final question or talking point before we conclude and say goodbye to our lovely listeners. Um, what do you think, why do you think the author chose to tell this story? Like, what do you think they were trying to accomplish when telling this story? Well, I think, um, I think with my story, it's like, it's a relatively accessible way to tell an interesting and thought-provoking story with real world implications. Like it deals with some very serious issues, but presents it presents them in a very entertaining way that keeps the reader hooked. So I'm sure my author Eden Robinson wanted to tell this story, and she just needed to like she she finally found the way to keep the reader engaged. Like like I said, if you you don't want to alienate anybody, you have you want to appeal to everybody so that everybody reads your book. That's the the per like that's like the main goal of an author you want everybody to read your book so she just she doesn't i obviously like for example you're not into dark humor but i'm sure a lot of other people are and a lot of other people wouldn't mind like the very light dark humor (laughs) so like um in that sense it's like very accessible and she's not alienating anybody anybody so i think that's why she chose to tell this story and maybe she just like maybe she just finds it cool because like it it's a lot of like paranormal stuff, a lot of like supernatural stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of absurd. Like it's like a weird story, but it's like at the same time, it's it's very interesting. Hmm. So Palumi, what do you think? Uh why do you think your author chose to tell their story? It's a memoir, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he chose to tell his story to try and get his message out. Like, he's basically saying, like, not to lose hope, even in the toughest situations. So, yeah, I feel like that's how what he's trying to say throughout his story, because it's just him going through a lot of, like, bad situations. Yeah. Ishida? Yeah, I think um, the author the author for my book, Undercover, um, just chose to tell the story because of real real world issues and how... He also made it engaging for me as I continue to read to read the story, and yeah, I just believe that current issues. And yeah. well, something um, a bit funny about like my story is um, 
when I first wrote this question, I it was kind of like before I was I had gotten this far in the book, but they literally like tell you why the author, she literally tells you why she wrote the story and it was to like bring justice to these seven children because originally she came she wanted to talk about and discuss like the fact that indigenous people don't vote that often like mm -hmm. their voter turnout is terrible and mm -hmm. despite the fact that they can really like sway the election in certain ways but then she heard about uh the seven missing children and she decided to write this write the book about um focusing more on that so she's dedicated so that's why she wrote the story because she wanted to like bring light and bring justice to these children and mm -hmm. uh, again cool. i think that's very commemorable and another good reason to read the book but i get it it's not for everyone oh yeah definitely lisa <laughs> so i think that's all we have time for today um thank you all for coming it has been lovely to have you. Thank you for inviting us. It's been great, especially in like times like these. You know, I have nothing else to do. I don't talk to anybody pretty much all day. So it's great to come on here and talk to everybody and, you know, actually interact with other people for once. Yeah, same. It was really fun for me as well. Yeah, it was a great way to interact about our stories. Thank you. Yes. If you want to see more of the 63.3 podcast, we have six whole more episodes to watch to listen to and see you guys next time so final thoughts hasn't already decided who he thinks the who he thinks has the best stories um ishida Palumi, who do you think um has the best story so well, frankly i think my book is still the best because i do <laughs> think like no matter granted your books are <laughs> your books are fantastic they sound amazing i just think that my book is better solely um because of it's like style i guess it's like the substance is there obviously you know a lot of people say style over substance or substance over style it's like mm -hmm. my book kind of combines both of them it's and like I keep saying this, it's, it's very, very accessible and it's very entertaining. It's, it's like literally like you're, it's like reading a script for a film. I keep bringing this up. It's very, very cinematic. And like, it's just so like consistently engaging uh, in a way where like most other books aren't. It's yeah. like, I read the first chapter, like I've gotten to, I think around like page 70, 80. And mm -hmm. I read pretty much all of it in one day which is something I don't usually do. I read like 20, 30 pages per day. Yeah. But, My book yeah. has really long chapters. It has like mm -hmm. 40 yeah. pages per chapter, which is why I haven't gotten like through a lot of yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, my my book is like, like one chapter is like 40, 50 pages long. Yeah. What about you, Pulumi? Who do you think uh, has the best book? Well, I still think mine is the best book, but a book I really want to check out is Hassan's just because of the dark comedy yeah yeah you definitely should dude um for me i definitely think mine is i personally would pick mine because it's talking about like real life issues but i definitely think that like it might not interest someone else 
so i would think like if she does was talking about like how it discusses like struggles that are like more relatable to like a high school experience and how like struggles with identity which i think everyone struggles with to a certain extent so i definitely think if she does is um best um hassan i i read uh like a little bit of your book too personally i'm not big on dark humor yeah i know you said it's like dark humor but yeah. personally that doesn't appeal to me so no it's totally understandable it's great book, but it just doesn't appeal to like my taste so mm-hmm. great stories all of you i think yeah, mine's definitely. the best but i think ishida's would appeal to a wider audience yeah so as you said i feel like we all have great stories and um they um like different people could relate to like different theme and so i think my book is the best because like i said it could connect to more um like high school students and society and yeah i believe that okay so since we had our debates our discussions some closing thoughts to go over um theoretically if you were in your main character's shoes how would you respond to the situation like if your grandmother hated you because they thought you were a trickster how would you react to that man frankly that's if i'm being honest i probably react in kind of the same way because it's like it's such like a weird it's like obviously like a cultural thing but it's like as a child or like if you're being accused of being a trickster it's like it's so absurd so i think the way the main character jared handled it it's like he questions it but he's not like getting too deep into it you know he he mentions it to his mother and stuff and like they reassure him and then he talks to his grandmother about it and she's like oh i did a dna test on you you're like you're not a trickster and he's just like it's like there's obviously like some sort of paranormal what would a dna test even look like if he was what would that look yeah yeah that's what i was thinking too i feel like they from what i understand she lists off two um like bloods like like his heritage basically that that's what Mm -hmm. she lists off so i'm assuming that if he was a trickster he'd have a particular heritage like his mother would be something right Mm -hmm. or his father would have probably his mother because like it's her paternal, her his paternal grandmother talking to him. I, I doubt she would accuse her own son of being a trickster or having like that kind of blood in him. Can you imagine but I do think that like, running that test and like if he was yeah. a trickster, yeah, if like be- it passed, like they would be so confused. That'd be so weird, yeah. But mm-hmm. I do think that it's like the way my author Eden Robinson like handles the situation is like very realistic, and I feel like most people can like. If you read the book, you can probably agree with the way Jared handles everything. It's mm-hmm. like, he's kind of questioning it, but at the same time, he's like, dude, like, this can't be real. You know? <laughs> it's just yeah. like, kind of like that. What about you guys? Ishida? Um, so, in my story, the teenager, um, so, he handled the situation in a way, whereas he was in a room, like, full of strangers, and he already stood out from others which is why he didn't acknowledge where he was from when um the teacher basically asked him and as for me i feel like it is hard at first to open up to new people so i would have handled the situation in a similar way well 
well the situation my the main character goes through are usually like quick situations like mm-hmm. he usually handles them fast and mm-hmm. like, yeah i'll probably try and handle it the same way as him cool mm-hmm. um one final question but one final question or talking point before we conclude and say goodbye to our lovely listeners um what do you think why do you think the author chose to tell this story like what do you think they were trying to accomplish when telling this story well i think um i think with my story it's like it's a relatively accessible way to tell an interesting and thought-provoking story with real world implications like it deals with some very serious issues but presents it presents them in a very entertaining way that keeps the reader hooked so i'm sure my author Eden Robinson wanted to tell this story and she just needed to like she she finally found the way to keep the reader engaged like like i said if you you don't want to alienate anybody you have you want to appeal to everybody so that everybody reads your book that's the the per like that's like the main goal of an author you want everybody to read your book so she just she doesn't i obviously like for example you're not into dark humor but i'm sure a lot of other people are and a lot of other people wouldn't mind like the very light dark humor <laughs> so like um in that sense it's like very accessible and she's not alienating anybody anybody so i think that's why she chose to tell this story and maybe she just like maybe she just finds it cool cuz like it it's a lot of like paranormal stuff a lot of like supernatural stuff yeah and it's kind of absurd like it's like a weird story but it's like at the same time it's it's very interesting hmm. So, Palumi, what do you think? Uh, why do you think your author chose to tell their story? It's a memoir, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he chose to tell his story to try and get his message out. Like he's basically saying like not to lose hope even in the toughest situations. So, yeah, I feel like that's how what he's trying to say throughout his story because it's just him going through a lot of like bad situations. Yeah. Shida? Yeah, I think um the author and the author for my book Undercover um just chose to tell the story because of real real world issues and how he also made it engaging for me as I continue to read to read the story and yeah, I just believe that current issues and yeah. well, something um a bit funny about like my story is um when I first wrote this question, I it was kind of like before I was I had gotten this far in the book, but they literally like tell you why the author she literally tells you why she wrote the story and it was to like bring justice to these seven children because originally she came she wanted to talk about and discuss like the fact that indigenous people don't vote that often, like mm-hmm. their voter turnout is terrible. And Mm -hmm. despite the fact that they can really like sway the election in certain ways, but then she heard about uh, the seven missing children and she decided to write this, write the book about um, focusing more on that. So she did it. So that's why she wrote the story because she wanted to like bring light and bring justice to these children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I think that's very commemorable and another good reason to read the book, but I get it. It's not everyone oh yeah definitely lisa (laughs) so i think that's all we have time for today um thank you all for coming 
It has been lovely to have you. Thank you for inviting us. It's been great, especially in like times like these. You know, I have nothing else to do. I don't talk to anybody pretty much all day. So it's great to come on here and talk to everybody and, you know, actually interact with other people for once. Yeah, same. It was really fun for me as well. Yeah, it was a great way to interact about our stories. Thank you. Yes. If you want to see more of the 63.3 podcast, we have six whole more episodes to watch, to listen to. And see you guys next time. All right, I think that's good enough. Yeah, good job. No, it's good. Let me just tell, me just tell Ms. Filiter that we're done. Yeah. All right. Okay, I told her. That was pretty good, actually. Yeah, I, really I feel like we kind of went a bit off topic in the middle. Yeah, yeah. But, but I do think that um, our connections, like when when we did go off topic, they were like relevant to an extent. Yeah. Like when we talk about like the news and like the 